Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and joining us today on the RodeoKids.com monthly Zoom is Judd Napier and Mark Weber, and they call them Cowboy Lifesavers because they put their life on the lines for youth to professional cowboys who are bull riders. They're not afraid to get right in the middle of the mix to save them when they get hung up or distract a bull as they're trying to get away. Today, they teach us how they got started, what they've learned along the way, and different advice they have for riders and people who are interested in becoming bullfighters themselves. So you will definitely want to turn up the volume and take some time to listen to this one. A buddy of mine uh, that fought bulls while I was riding bulls in college told me that I needed to quit riding bulls and start fighting bulls because I couldn't stay healthy and he thought that I'd be better at it well we had uh, gotten into a practice pen and kind of worked together a little bit and since then it kind of it kind of grew on me a little more and I really stopped riding bulls and started fighting bulls in probably about 2008. I see was it scary making that transition? Uh, no, because I, I grew up in the Western industry and um, always around cattle. So I always knew how to work around them. And that's pretty much what bullfighting is. Just you, you know how to work cattle more than anything and you understand their movements. So uh, it just comes natural. To some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a little bit of adrenaline rush there, but uh, you, you uh, for our type of mindset, you kind of uh, ignore that and use adrenaline to your favor and uh, just go on at it. Yeah. Very cool. What about you, Mark? Um, kind of the same. I've been involved in rodeo ever since I was a little kid. Started junior rodeo when I was five and uh, went all through the ranks. Um, junior rodeo, uh, junior high into high school. Um, was a national qualifier in high school all four years. I roped calves and bulldogged and team roped. And I rode uh, steers, or calves and steers and junior bulls into high school. When I got to high school, though, I was a lot better roper and uh, bulldogger. So that's what I focused on. And uh, But I always liked the, the bullfighters and the rodeo clowns ever since I was a little kid. Every year for Halloween, that's what I was. I've never been anything else as a kid growing up. I was always a rodeo clown. And uh, when I got into high school and quit uh, riding bulls, I kind of fought bulls at the practice pens to help a couple buddies out and Went to college and college rodeoed uh, as a roper and a bulldogger and fought bulls at the practice pen. And they kind of laughed at me because they thought, yeah, right, timey, you know, yeah. you don't know nothing about the rough stock end. And uh, but a few months in, I uh, saved a couple kids at practice from some hangups. And uh, after that, they decided to I needed to be there for the practice pen from then on. <laughs> and uh <laughs> So after that, I was fighting bulls at college in the practice pen and finally uh, talked my coach into my second year of college to let me fight our college rodeo. And when that happened, uh, I got in front of a really good stock contractor, Charlie Lowry from 4L and Diamond S. And uh, he hired me from some other college rodeos he had. And then he referred me to another contractor that offered me a run of rodeos for about 30 events a year. And it just took off from there. And that was about oh nine I think oh eight oh nine somewhere in there wow and it just kind of started blossoming and um I always liked like I said the bullfighting and uh something I've kind of passionate about and enjoyed it and then started getting offering jobs and opportunities and I thought man this is great this is what I want to do and I focused on this more and you know kind of don't rope and bulldog like I used to but I still rope some so yeah 
you got horses at home uh, that you grope on from time to time? Uh, yeah, we do. I've got 11 head of horses right now. Um, kind of too many, but we've got some mares and some foals. We raise some babies every year and uh, try and turn out a little bit. I'm no expert horse trainer, but I like to play around with colts and make roping horses and uh, tinker. So I still rope some in the winter. So, yeah. Very cool. So um, we'll go back to Judd. What's your favorite part of fighting bulls? Uh, really, my favorite part is always being around in the youth industry when we work the junior high finals and the high school finals. You get to see the kids come up, develop themselves as athletes and grow on. I mean, I've got to watch Sage Kimsey and Trey Kimsey, two of my best friends, uh, grow up and come up through the high school rodeo rankings. So that's probably the best part. And even Jess Lockwood. Jess Lockwood is one of them as well. You know, the names will go on and continue to change as the years go on. Uh, but that's the best part is you see these athletes develop and, and grow in the industry. Yeah. Mark? Um, man, that's a tough one. Like I said, I enjoy what I do. Um, you know, it's there's somewhat of an adrenaline rush with it, but uh, I, I enjoy being there to help others and knowing that it's my job to make sure that everybody involved comes out of the arena you know, unharmed and uh, unscathed, hopefully, and um, have some fun doing it. And just like Judd said, one of the cool things about working the national high school finals, working the national junior high finals, being at the, the IFYR and Shawnee for so many years as I have, I've gotten to see, just like he said, a lot of guys come up through the ranks that are, you know, have been in the pros for a couple of years now or are going to be. And what's really cool is like Judd said, you know, you see these kids and as high schoolers and some as junior hires and you know, man, they're probably going to go somewhere. And now you see them and they're on the biggest stages at the PBR finals and they're at the NFR. And, you know, you get to meet a lot of those kids that when they were just, just in high school and, you know, just getting going as far as really rodeoing, it's cool to get to meet them and see them at that level and then watch them take off in the PRCA and the pros, you know, and say, well, I fought bulls for that kid when he was in high school or junior high, and now I'm fighting bulls for him at, you know, PRCA rodeos and big bull riding. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's true. Like for any of us who are involved in this industry that focus on the youth, you know, getting to see these kids go from you kids, I guess, that are on here, um, getting to see you go through your struggles and go through your, your highs and your lows and see you overcome the obstacles. Like it is empowering. And I know for me, like it keeps me going on my day to day life, seeing the hard work that these kids put into it. And, um, you know, just being a part of that is like, I'm very blessed and thankful for that, for all of the kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So to fight bulls, you have to be in some sort of shape, I would guess. Um, what do you guys do to keep yourselves from getting completely torn apart out there? Well, thank God for Kansas sports med, especially in the past. Mark knows exactly the rough spells that I've been into. In uh, 2017, I believe, at the National High School Finals while I was in Gillette, I got knocked out one day, um, just read a bull wrong and kind of run into his rear end and he kicked me, uh, knocked me clean out. And then uh, they made me sit out. Protocol was you sit out for 24 hours. And um, I think I come back for two or three perfs and uh, ended up, you know, stepping in a gap and holding it for a kid and got knocked down and bull stepped on my chest, broke my collarbone. So after that, I was done at the national final or at, at the national high school finals and had to sit out for the remainder of the 
person. I think there was, if I'm right, Mark, I think there's two firsts left. But uh, if it wasn't for Kansas Sports Med, uh, always there taking care of us, icing us down, always looking over us, uh, we wouldn't be able to be stay healthy without them. I've taken all the precautions I can to prepare for week-long events like that throughout the year. Um, and it's honestly just a whole different ball game when you get to that event. Yeah, so are you guys, like, spending time in the gym? Are you running? Are you, like, what's it look like to stay in shape for that? Yep. Uh, I, 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 go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just going to say it really depends throughout the year, um, you know, different things like that. I stay pretty active anyways. Um, in the winter when I'm a little slower, uh, I, I try to get more into the gym, you know, on the workout routines and things like that. Um, I stay pretty busy in the summer, so I – I said, I'd like to say I get in the gym as much as I need to in the summer, but I stay pretty busy on the road. So I, you know, it's hard to, or you try to get a little workout in here and there, stay active. And then, like I said, also when I'm home, we have, you know, a little farm and that, and I got, you know, horses to ride and I've got or hay to bale and stuff like that. So even if I don't get to the, to the gym working out, I, I do stay pretty active with, with going and doing stuff. Um, like I said, yeah, in, in the off season, um, I try hard a little bit more to, to get on a workout routine as far as, you know, I'll, if I might not do much lifting today or, but I'm going to at least do something. I'm going to do some core exercises. I'm going to stretch. Um, flexibility is really big. Um, so, and I'm not a very flexible person. Judd can relate to that. They laugh at me at sports med because they're like, man, what you, you're like, <laughs> tight tight you know like you can't even lift your leg up past here I'm like yeah I know <laughs> but uh flexibility is huge even if you can't really get a workout in as much yeah. as you want um if you can stretch those muscles and and just get your body limber and just stay active you know that's important too yeah yeah Riley and Peyton have a question for you Go I had a question um for both the bullfighters um what are some ways you mentally prepare before you go into the arena to fight bulls? For my biggest thing, especially this year, it's a mental preparation. Uh, I've always been mindset or mind strong, headstrong on a lot of things. Um, if you defeat yourself before you even walk into the arena, it doesn't matter if you're a bullfighter or you're going out to rope a calf or want to be four flat on a steer in the bulldog. And you have to be able to believe that you're there because you deserve to be there. So mindset for me is 100% going into it. Uh, you have to be strong in that. Physi physically, I've seen a lot of people get by, and I can vouch for a lot of bullfighters that are necessarily not necessary or not in the greatest shape, but they've been around the cattle industry. They know how to move around cattle, and uh, they make awesome bullfighters. So, yes, there is a physical aspect to it, but if you have the mindset of a bullfighter and uh, you can push past a lot of things, then you're going to be, you're going to make a great hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the biggest things for me mentally, you know, judge, judge right about that. You got to have, you know, faith and believe that, you know, you're good enough to be there in opportunities. Um, Cause he like, like a friend of ours, John Roberts, who fights bulls with us at the high school finals was talking about, you know, the devil's out there throwing darts at you and trying to discourage you. And if he can get into that head and he can weigh you down beforehand, he'll have you beat before you either back in the box or sit on your bull or walk in to fight bulls or whatever, you know? And, uh, one of the biggest things for me and, and, you know, Judd too, I mean, we always, as a group, especially at the high school finals, we always pray before we go in, uh, to the arena, but, really try to take 
you know, a few minutes where I just kind of, you know, by myself, gather my thoughts, think, all right, you know, it's time to go to work. You know, you're, you're here for a reason. This is your job. This is what you got to do. I pray, you know, we pray as a group, but I pray individually too, you know, that, uh, God, you led me here. You gave me this opportunity, help me to use it the best of my ability, keep me safe, you know, and just help me to shine for you through it all. And, uh, you got to have, like Judd said, that mentality of, all right, it's time to go to work. It's time for me to do what I'm, I've been trained to do and what I've learned to do. And uh, you're not going to let the Bulls win. I'm going to win. And no matter what, you know, I'm going to be there to protect that rider. If that means taking a shot, that means taking a shot. If that means I can get in there and get everything cleaned up with, you know, out having to take one, we'll do it that way. But you just got to have that mentality that, you know, for lack of a better term, you're a bad dude and you're going to go in there and, 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 and show them why, why you deserve to be there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Riley. Uh, Victoria has a question for you. What kind of workouts do you guys do in the gym? You said you guys work out, but like, are you lifting weights or are you mostly doing cardio? For myself, I love cardio. I love to run, but um, I do what I call the, the five sets of five. I, I kind of stick to a moderate weight and kind of build from there. Um, I'm not a big heavy lifter. Um, pyramid sets is another big thing for me. Um, it just kind of depends. I do some cardio, but I don't do uh, a huge ton of cardio. Like I can't, uh, I mean, I can, but I mean, running long distances, like on the treadmill or running on that, it weighs on my hips and my back. Um, so like ellipticals and stuff like that is kind of how I do my cardio and get it in. And, uh, I do some lifting, you know, like when I say I try to get on a good gym routine, I'll do lifting, you know, like upper body and lower body just to work those muscles and, you know, get them in good shape so they can fire. And, uh, a lot, of, a lot of core stuff and like that core and flexibility and balance that will help, you know, with being able to make those moves and, and, and go around there. And, uh, I, I, uh, I come from a large family, so it, it, it can be easy for, I say large, not as in people, but as in size sometimes. So I have to try and stay working out. Cause if I don't, it, I can e easily have some weight on me. So yeah. I learned yeah, same. really interesting today about, you know, you talked about not running long distances and this trainer that I was talking to, like Michael is trying to run a half marathon and he's like, no, like that's not good for you and your performance because everything that you're doing, I need to have my fast twitch muscles because I'm trying to rope in two seconds. I'm trying to run barrels in less than 17 seconds. And you guys are trying to fight bulls. Like it's quick motions. You're not chasing the bull down. You're fighting them fast. So that's where I learned today that having those long distances that you're running um, can actually hinder you more than it can help you when we're talking yeah. about rodeo and fighting and quick fast-paced events so just kind of a fun fact for you guys yeah yeah and you're you're right on that Camry just because uh I do love to run uh but it's also like a lot of my preparation also comes from watching video like me Mark and John and Sylvan this past week every time that perf gets over with the first probably the first things we do is sit there and talk and watch video see where we can better ourselves and we've already known that we've done the physical preparation but when you go back and you watch a video of a run or how well you fought bulls or dog that steer uh, that's where you really start to learn mm -hmm. yeah jace you have a question this is a good one 
How how you do bullfighting? This question was how fast do you have to be to be a bullfighter? That's part yeah. one. Well, it depends. Um, there's some guys that are really, really fast that fight bulls, um, and, and it works for them. I don't consider myself a real fast uh, speed demon, especially the older I get, you know, um, as far as, like, being really fast and, and running. But you got to be fast enough to get in there. And a lot of that we call it timing, is positioning ourselves to be able to react to the situation and uh, – fast enough to get a hold of that bull and get his attention. And if we can, we call it making rounds with him, step around him, heading and tail him, or one will be at the top, one will be at the bottom of the bull and we can spin them and we can just keep rolling them around. You can turn tighter than those bulls can turn for the most part. So if you can get a hold of them and turn and stay inside that shoulder, um, you know, you don't have to be lightning quick speed, but uh, I know some guys that have it and it definitely helps help some of them guys so yeah you have to be able to in my opinion for fighting bulls you have to be able to read faster than you actually run you know you see that cowboy's hips come out of placement and you know he's going to get bucked off and where's centrifugal force from that bull throwing him where he's going to land so that's what really what you're looking for and all your timing comes from that there's a lot of and just like you said earlier it's a lot of quick reaction movement it's not like taking off and running a 100 yard dash in a in a straight line like you and your friends would line up together and run as fast as you can to the other end it's a lot of agility and quick twitch reaction to what's happening like cone like i guess you'd say if you were watching football practices or other sports practices they make you do quick runs up and sideways and go around a cone and come back call it kind of more twitchy or, or um, reaction. So. Yeah. Okay, Jace, do you want to ask the other part of your question? How fast do you tend on the person off the bull? How fast can you get the person off the bull? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, that's not a question. From the from the point uh, I see that he's getting bucked off or maybe hung up um, this past high school finals, we've had a lot of hangups and they, they weren't necessarily on the most hang up friendly bull. If there is such a thing, um, they were always getting thrown down right to their head or kind of getting welled really bad. So once we see that hang up, uh, we try to get in there as soon as possible. And sometimes you have a split second when you see that shoulder. Yeah, we try to get them out of out of there as quick as they can. But um, like Judd said, it's a lot of reaction to watching. Um, the more you fight bulls, the more you can learn when a rider's about to come off, or uh, if you know that um, the way they ride as far as their bull rope, if they have like the American style bull rope or Brazilian style, depending on which hand they ride with with that kind of rope and the way the bull turns, you'll kind of be a little bit more apt to know. Hey, he might hang up here. Um, you know, depending on which way the bull's going. And uh, you can kind of assess the situation and be ready for something as, as quick as it happens. We don't want anybody to hang up. Um, you know, uh, we try to get them out as quick as we can, but sometimes some last longer than others. That's just the uh, long and short of it. What causes a hang-up? Um, uh, sometimes, for... it's funny, it's a hang-up sometimes can be caused by kids not opening their hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we had that prime example this week um, because 
the Brazilian bull rope pulls different. I mean, they still pull up on the side, but the handle is um, set different than an American bull rope. It's brought from the opposite side across their hand, whereas American bull ropes pulled from the same side that their hands on. And the Brazilian ropes they claim are a lot easier because they don't hang up as much in them. Um, but there was a kid that literally came off into his hand, which they say, if you come off into your hand, you'll never hang up. This kid came off into his hand in a Brazilian rope, never supposed to hang up. And he drags for like two or three seconds. And we're all trying to get there and catch up. And we realize that he has got a fist clenched and he is not opening up. And it was like, open your hand. And as soon as we got in there, somebody hollered and it was like, oh yeah. And he just lets go and comes loose. Other times where they take that wrap where their hand turns over, where they're not like this, if their mm-hmm. hand turns over and that wraps in there, then their knuckles are squeezed down against the bull's back. And when you can't get your fingers loose and open, that's when they're tied in. That's when we have to go in and get the tail of the bull rope. Because yeah. if there's pressure, like where my thumb is, where that bull's back is and your hand's pressured down, there's no room for your fingers to come out and open up. So you're yeah. literally locked down in there. That's when we got to get a hold of that rope and pull on it and get their hand pop loose. Does it kind of where you want them to keep their thumb up uh no i mean in order to really get a good lock on your rope uh, folding your thumb down is one of the one of the key things because I've, I've i've seen a lot of uh bull riders end up breaking their thumb if they end up you know not being used to you know maybe just a beginner rider and they have they open that thumb up um that's that's kind of a common beginner issue so you kind of use that thumb as an advantage to keep your fingers locked but one of the common problems, and it's it's a pet peeve of mine, is uh, riders um, riding with rosin beyond their ability to actually ride and cover a bull. When I was growing up and uh, rode throughout college, my college coach would even make me get on steers and bulls with flank ropes before I could even get on with an actual bull rope. Because you actually have to learn how to ride before you can just, you know, gum up your rope. And that's a that's an that's a common issue that we've run into in the last probably three or four years with uh, everybody coming out with a, a special type of rosin that's supposed to make you ride but it better, but really it just keeps your hand closed. And these kids really don't need it uh, until they can ride better. Yeah, that makes sense. So the last part of Jace's question is, what did your mom say when you told her you wanted to be a bullfighter? <laughs> Mark? <laughs> um. I don't really know. Like I said, I've been involved in rodeo all my life and I quit riding bulls and, you know, focused on the rope and calves and bulldogging and uh, did all that and was hot on the trail rodeo and doing that stuff. And she knew I was kind of fighting bulls at practice and I started booking shows and uh, started going and she never really said much to me. But every time I leave, she says, now, be careful. You know, you don't need to you don't need to be getting hurt out there. Uh, yeah, but she never really told me don't do it or she didn't support me she supports me i know she worries about me but yeah um not not too bad so yeah my my parents were a little harder on me my mom called me a fool my both my parents called me a fool just because my uh medical history when it came to riding bulls i had several concussions and uh they were just worried as parents uh you got to give them that freedom but uh, after a while, when they, they saw that it had huge potential um, and they, they knew that I loved what I was doing, uh, they really understood and got behind me with it. Yeah, cool. Lillian. 
I want to know um, how many events do you go to each year? Judd? Um, let's see. I've kind of cut down this past year. Um, but I'm, I'm busy to give you a kind of uh, fill you in a little bit. I'm busy from the second week of June all the way through uh, the end of August. And then my, my, I have a really strong summer run. So I think I've totaled it to about 12 events now after I cut back on some of my rodeos. But some of those events are a week long. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of part of the reason. Um, I know that when it, when it gets to the second week of June, um, it's going to be hammer down time and you kind of have to have all your ducks in a row, which has been a, a difficult thing for me this year. Like we talked to Camry and Mark knows about this as well. I've struggled more mentally this year than I have ever in my career. Um, I don't really have a total number for you. Um, I know I do a lot. The, um, I rodeo, um, I say all year round, you know, the winter's a little slower than uh, other dates. Um, my December and January are pretty weak. I might have one in them two months. February on a normal year, I'll have one or two. March, maybe one or two. Um, but when April, for me, my busiest time of the year kicks off in April. And uh, I'll run April through into fall. Um, this year, uh, from, let's see, from the second week or third week of April, until the third week of October, I only had um, two weeks that I didn't have something booked, two weekends. Um, and one of them, I went to a horse sale and the other one I don't have booked because my little girl's turning one and it's her first birthday. So I'm not taking any rodeos that weekend. Yeah. How long is the average bullfighter's career? No, that... That honestly just, uh, it's a, it's hard to say because you have guys like Robert Blue Jeans. He just retired at, I want to say, 50, Mark. I, I can't really remember how old he is. I want to say maybe 50-ish. No, he's not that old. Really? Okay. I don't think he's well, that old. I, I think he's Maybe not. Um, yeah. and like, but like Judd said, it, well, it varies from guys to you know. It depends on really how long somebody's body um, can hold up. And as far as being competitive or being good at what they do, um, there's some guys, you know, that fight bulls well into their, you know, 40s, mid 40s. And there's some guys I know and we've known that hang it up in their early 30s, you know, or their yeah. body hold up it's just like um i kind of compare it sometimes people ask me the same question i said it's kind of like um major league sports you know some guys are legends and can last for a long time and you know be in leagues for 15 to 20 years and other guys they're only in the league for six years seven years you know and then it's done um a lot of it is health you know how long somebody can can hold up and their bodies be good and and uh and be able to really uh, be competitive still at what they do. Um, like I said, some guys just in their thirties are done or the other bullfighter that works with us at the junior high national finals, um, Clifford Maxwell, he's 52, but you would not know that that guy is 52 just to talk to him and see him. He's a full-time firefighter. He's fit. He's active. 
you know, he's not going to be like some 20 year old guy full of energy and running marathons. But as far as knowing how to fight bulls and being fit and being able to still be competitive at what he does, you know, he's really good. So, yeah. Do you guys fight bulls outside of rodeos? Like the, do that, like the bullfighters of America, is that right? Or bullfighters only and that kind of stuff? Um, so I competed in bullfighters only. I've been to several of their events. Um, I haven't been to one since 2017. Uh, freestyle game is, uh, is definitely a young, young person's game. And I just turned 35 this past week. Uh, but I also made the decision just based off of uh, knowing that I had a, a good summer run booked up and uh, I had to play the decision that whether I wanted to go and still compete at the freestyles or if I, uh, you know, wanted to stay healthy throughout the rest of my career. Yes. And as Victoria said, happy late birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What about um, uh, I've never been much of a big freestyle guy. Uh, there's some, um, some of the PRC radios that I worked that we have to, we'll sell the show with a fighting bull, you know, as far as they'll turn him out and we'll make a couple rounds and pass his work him on the barrel and sell him. Um, I've done a couple bull ridings where we had, you know, they had a little freestyle at the end where we each got one and made a little competition. But as far as like the bullfighters only and entering those freestyles, um, ever since I've started fighting bulls, I've been pretty fortunate to have a lot of rodeos to work as far as cowboy protection. And that's where, you know, I make my living is cowboy protection. So uh, the freestyle to me is nothing that I really got into. Now, it, it, there's guys that have, and that's kind of where they make their name. And then they venture on, you know, and don't go to as many freestyles once they start to get established and get rodeos. Um, but just mm -hmm. like Judd said, it's a young man's game. You know, it's a good place to come in and, and uh, you know, um, get your feet wet and get rolling and see if it's really what you want to do. But as far as me, I'm a, I'm strictly, I say strictly, but for the most cowboy protection and that's what I do for a living. And uh, it, it's a different ball game. Yes. It's still fighting bulls, but cowboy protection, you're going in there with the mindset of, all right, I'm going to have to, you know, position myself and save this bull rider. And you're going at the bull more than backing up and letting the bull come at you and hit him with a fake and a, you know, and, uh, and caping them and, and jumping them and all that, because you don't jump very many bulls when you're cowboy protecting, unless you got to jump on one's head or something. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're, you're more prone to injury when you go to the bullfights, uh, just because it is a head on head and we like to call it in, 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 in the, uh, in the freestyle industry, we like to call it a game of inches, the closer, the better. And yes, it is a game of inches when, it is protection involved, uh, but you're just more prone to injury when you get into those bullfights. Yeah, um, my dad always said it, and I've heard it from some others, but it's a good saying. is It's not a matter – in the freestyle game, it's not a matter of if you get hurt. It's a matter of when and how bad. And yeah. uh, because it is. It's, you know, like a good friend of ours, Chad Dowdy, who's retired from fighting bulls now, and he used to talk about those freestyle matches and guys getting, you know – Really, you'll talk about a head game. That's a head game in the back pins right before you call for one because you know the, your opponent's got the ability to take you out. And he said, you got to go in there knowing, all right, he's going to get his punches and he's going to get his hits on me, but I'm going to get mine too. And I'm going to prove that I'm better than him today. And he said, and if you don't go in there with that mindset, you're going to get your lunch ate. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, you have a, a ghost friend in here of the duo of you two. And his first question is, who is better at rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Me and Mark honestly haven't played the or had to compete against each other in rock, paper, scissors. That's more John's game than John sucks. <laughs> okay. I, I believe. What? I'm sorry. Go ahead. The second question is What makes you guys such a great duo? We get me and Mark uh, ever since, shoot, 2016, I, I think, my first year at the uh, uh, junior high finals. From that point on, we ended up working together quite a bit. We worked the junior high finals. Then uh, a year later, Mark came on to the high school finals. But that same year, we both worked the Leon, Iowa. And that was our 4th of July run uh, for a long time. So me and Mark, out of everybody on our crew at the, at the high school finals, me and Mark worked together the most. Now we're at, uh, let's see, Mark, junior high finals, high school finals, Shawnee, uh, uh, Forest City, Arkansas, another pro rodeo. So we, me and Mark worked together quite a bit. Yeah. Do you guys sell it like when committees are hiring and stuff? Like, is that part of it that you get to say you're coming together or do you get to request or how does that work? Um, for the most part, not really. Um, we, we book rodeos individually on our own. Um, but sometimes if you've been at a rodeo for so long or they're making a change or somebody can't come or different things like that, sometimes they'll say, hey, do you have a recommendation or an idea or do you know somebody, you know, so sometimes you can put in a word, hey, you know, like I work with this guy a lot. We, we work good off each other. Um, so sometimes you can do that. But for the most part, there's not really, I wouldn't say any teams that, hey, because you're having me, you have to have this person, you know. Um, yeah. cause like Judd's going to go out West here in the next, I think the next week and he'll have a bunch of pro rodeos out, you know, in Colorado. And I think he goes to Utah or Idaho and, you know, I don't work any of those, but I'm going to be down in Oklahoma and then I'm going to be, um, back up in Illinois, um, and then, uh, Arkansas, you know, so we don't, we don't book every rodeo together. You book kind of individually, but we've been fortunate to, to work so much together that, some of the big platforms like the high school finals and the junior high finals, you know, we, we, we get those. And like Judd said, I work with him more than I work with anybody else throughout the whole year. And uh, a lot of times to where we can just react off each other. Like if a bull's going one way and I know, like he talks about reading a bull, if I'm on the one side and he's on the other and the bull's turning a certain way, I know that he's going to be going to position a or, you know, X or wherever because I'm moving here, he's going to move there. Because he moves there, I'm moving here. And we work enough together that we can read off each other. And I don't have to worry about him running into me or me running into him, you know, unless the bulls fling them into each other. Um, That's definitely got to be a benefit for you guys and the Cowboys to be able to read each other like that and have worked together. And I'm, you know, bullfighting has kind of a standard set of rules, I'm sure, that everybody kind of knows so when you go from one place to the next you can still feed off of the other bullfighter but I can just only imagine that it works better when you do know the other person really well mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay um let's see what is it the next question is is it fun helping the clown with clowns? Mark I haven't honestly I Me? haven't had uh, much opportunity I can name on one hand how many clowns that I have actually helped it is fun when you know their act. Uh, for me, I kind of am a nervous wreck. 
more doing that than I am fighting bulls, believe it or not, when it comes to a new comedy act or a clown that I haven't seen. Um, so I, I don't really have much experience in that field. That's more Mark's area, especially now that he's more of that, uh, that uh, funny man. Uh, yeah, so um, I've done a lot of acts over the years as far as helping. Um, you know, some bullfighters are either don't want to do it or they're bashful or they think they're going to screw it up or different things. Me, um, that's something I guess I could say I pride myself on because ever since I got started in the rodeo company I worked with, they have a really uh, great and renowned funny man, especially in the southeast, Mike Wentworth. And I did a lot of acts with him and uh, I learned a long time ago that sometimes the acts are made or break by the assistant or somebody helping with it. And if you don't play into it and act and do, uh, you know, character wise and, and really build it up like the clown does, um, you can you can make those acts flop or you can make them really funny to where people are laughing more at you for being a goofball than the whole concept. But um, I worked a lot, you know, for him growing up or with him. And then Dusty Myers is uh, one of my best friends. I work a lot of his acts when I get to work with him. Sean Thompson, I think you had Sean Thompson on. Uh, I think um, he's the one asking the question. What's that? I think he's the one asking these questions. Oh, he, he might be. <laughs> Sean Thompson's another great friend of mine. Um, oh, boom, boom. I actually, we were together over the 4th of July in Leon, and um, I helped him with every act that we did there, or every act that he did there. Um I enjoy it. I love it a lot. Like I said, it's, it's fun. It's something different. It really gives you a chance to go out there and make somebody laugh. And like I said, if you got a good clown with a good act and you can be a part of it and, and make it even better, you know, uh, that's what I try to do. And um, like I said, I love it. And that's where I will venture. I believe once I'm done totally fighting bulls in the future, I've got a couple uh, this year, I actually got hired to go work a rodeo in Oklahoma as a barrel man, um, funny man. And um, I asked the contractor, which I fight bulls for him too. I said, are you sure you want me here doing this? He goes, oh yeah. He said, if I wasn't, if I was worried, I wouldn't hire you. I've watched you do acts for a long time and your personality. He said, so you'll be fine. And uh, What's the after I did that, I actually got two calls in the last month. That rodeo was in June. I've gotten two calls in the last month for guys that wanted to hire me. And I couldn't do it because uh, I had other rodeos booked, so to have a backup plan already in motion yeah. what is the difference between a barrel man and a funny man and a bullfighter so um, generally your your barrel man and your funny man are both the same person um they 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 kind of double um and they work the barrel and kind of do their walk and talk or their acts in the dead time uh, throughout the rodeo where they may need a fill in uh, they're generally the same person and most most of them have uh fought bulls at one point like dusty myers our friend he fought bulls uh before he became the funny man and what is the point in having a barrel man like where did that start what's its role and like what's the, i mean it's an entertainment thing the uh well yeah it all started you know years ago when rodeo started they had the funny man and the barrel man and the bullfighters were all kind of mixed in together as one and uh, sometimes a lot of the bullfighters were clowns, too. They do comedy throughout the whole deal and do jokes. And then they go fight bulls and they'd have one of them that would get in the barrel and things like that. Um, but today, to, in today's rodeo age and the way things are, they've made it two separate positions. 
And the one is strictly, you know, I wouldn't say strictly, but more for an entertainment purpose where we're more of a, you know, we're out there to save the riders. But the barrel man for the bull riding is important because that gives us an island of safety out there. And sometimes riders will, if you've watched some rodeos, riders get bull goes out of ways and they get bucked off. Well, they'll run to the barrel and then they can kind of get behind the barrel till that bull leaves or goes on and then they can take off to the fence or even us. You know, we'll get one hot on our trail and we'll be out there in the middle and you'll be in no man's land. But if that barrel man can get there, you can be close to him. You can get a hold of that barrel and get behind it or you can put that barrel between you and a bull. And and the the crowd loves that, especially when you can break a bull down around a barrel, lay that thing down and let him hit it and bump it and roll it back. And you're on the other side, you know, patting him on the head or grabbing his horns and he's hooking the barrel and they love it because there's a barrel man inside, you know, and it, they, they want to see the clown get, get hooked or you take a ride in the barrel. So, so mm-hmm. what's the inside like? I've been told oh. the inside of those are. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> uh, it just depends on how well the barrel built, to be honest with you. I've, I've been in some pretty solid barrels uh, and taken a, a good hit, even, even when I check a bull down and it still kind of rung my bell. And I saw stars this time last year at a bullfight. I've, I've been in the barrel more for bullfights and to be able to be that island of safety uh, during the during the fight as it's going on. And I've had a I've, I've had a bull about come in the barrel with me. So what it's fun. You, it's fun, though. <laughs> what's a barrel made? They've got a they've got some padding. Well, the outside's made of metal. There's either steel or aluminum is your two um, big choices for when barrels are made. Um, but then they'll also put some padding around the outside and then put duct tape or different kinds of tape and tape it on. So it's got some padding on the outside so they don't hit straight to the metal. And then on the inside, um, some guys just have foam padding put in. Um, I know some guys that build barrels that make custom pads that are big, you know, big leather, almost cushions that they've you know stuffed and filled and built to customize for the inside uh it just depends um some guys you know there's not really anybody who doesn't have any padding because you're going to need some padding on the inside but some guys have you know just foam or small padding rubber where other guys have big you know squishy i wouldn't call it squishy but leather seamed padding that's put in there yeah. are there handles? Gotta look. yep yeah there are there there's are handles that are in the there. bottom Go ahead, Judge. No, I was just saying the same thing you just said. There are handles at the bottom. Okay. Huh. That's interesting. That's, that's why if you've ever seen a barrel man be inside of it, they can pick it up and their feet are through the bottom and walk. What they've got is there's a handle in the bottom. Normally, they're either a rope handle or a cable with like a hose over it. And you can reach down and grab each one of them like you would, uh, I would call it deadlifting, and you can just pick it up and just where your arms lean down to the side and pick up, and then you pick it up off the ground and you can walk with it. Are they smelly? Are they smelly? Yeah. Uh, oh, some of them can, especially if you get bull manure on them or whatever. <laughs> uh, but I, it just I'm depends. Gonna... If, if the barrel man sweats a lot inside of them and they get nasty, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, I'm sure it depends. Might smell like B.O. All right, Grace has a couple questions. There you what do you guys do uh, for your in, or like in your free time between performances? Like if there's a day performance and a night performance, <laughs> popsicles and nap time. 
never told for popsicles. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it, go ahead. It, it really depends. Um, the high school finals and Shawnee and junior high, you know, we're you, it starts to weigh on you through the week. So actually, um, like you said, we'll, we'll try to take some naps in the afternoon. Um, at the high school finals this last week, we'd, we'd get done with the performance. We'd go to sports med. Uh, they'd stretch us out, work on us, ice our legs down. Um, or any bumps or bruises that we had. And then by that time, we'd get some lunch and it'd be about two o'clock. So we'd either go to the trade show or try to lay down and take a nap because you get a couple hour nap and rest your body and then you're back up to have another show that night. And then by the time that show's done and you're done with sports med and get some dinner, it's 12:31 one o'clock in the morning. So then it's time to go to bed and get ready to do it all again the next morning. So, yeah. uh, we try to rest up when you know you've got a week long deal and you've got two purse a day and you're in every one. Uh, yeah. Try and really rest up and yeah. uh, relax in between. But sometimes you got to go to the trade show or go hang out with people and just, you know, enjoy that time too. What is your favorite to bullfight at? Um, boy, that's a tough one. I got some that I really, really like. Um, the high school finals is always fun because I get to work with some of my best friends. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoy, I have a rodeo over the 4th of July that I work in Leon, Iowa. That's one of my, uh, I'm from Iowa. Yeah, <laughs> that's a real fun rodeo because it's always a great crowd and the crowds, I mean, big time into it and uh, a full house. Um, I've got some, some pro rodeos that I really enjoy uh, to work. Um, also have another one that's New Windsor, Illinois. That's here in August. That it's a three-day rodeo. Um, it's in Western I or Western Illinois, and it's a really good one because it's close to home, and that's where a lot of a lot of people that uh, from home or Illinois area that don't ever get to watch me out, you know, at other rodeos throughout the country because I'm so far away, they get to come there because it's close to home. So that's kind of the hometown feel one, and it's a really good rodeo. Mike, where do you call home? I call home in East Peoria, Illinois. Oh, that's so right. right outside Peoria. Okay. Went to college in Alabama and lived down in Alabama for five years, and then moved back up here. So, okay. but you are originally a, a Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah, originally from Not Hawaii, from Mexico, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, originally from Hawaii. I've been up here since uh, the fall of 2012. Uh, started my professional career then and uh, been very fortunate and blessed ever since. I, li I now live in uh, eastern Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay, so we're down to like the last six minutes and just in general, in life, in rodeo, like we've got Riley uh, Smith does some bull riding. I don't think Jace does. He's a timed event. Uh, I think Riley's really our only bull rider who this really applies to um, in this Zoom, but like, what's just some general advice that you guys have, like whether it's mental strength or just what comes to mind um, to give these kids a last piece of advice? Go ahead, Jed. Um, just do everything you can to prepare yourself for whatever you're going to be facing in the arena. Riley, if you're going to be riding bulls and you need to be on that drop barrel, you need to be getting on horses, uh, going over jumps, um, do everything you can. I, I love the ball workouts, you know, that everybody's been sure that I, I was uh, doing that camera. You, you made a, a TikTok deal that everybody 
just had their uh, own laugh at, and so did I, you know, uh, that was a while ago for myself, but um, do everything you can, both physical and mental preparation. Gary Lefew, uh has a great mental preparation uh, guide that he uses at his schools for bull riders. And I, I think that can apply everywhere, both in and out of life. And also like my, myself and Mark, we're both try to be as spiritually strong as we can be as human beings. Uh, but knowing that we can't do anything apart from Christ and scripture says that as well. Yeah. And that Gary Lefeu deal, we have the uh, DVDs, I think, um, of mm -hmm. one of his deals. And if you guys, it doesn't matter what event you're in, like it is spot on. And I highly recommend you guys all listen to that. Mm -hmm. And you'll be more careful with what you share with me in the future because it might end up on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark, what's your piece of advice for these guys? Um, yeah, just like Judd said, the um, Bible says Philippians 4.13 is, you know, I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. Um, that's a big verse. Um, the Bible is full of verses and, and, and things for us to help us mentally um, spiritually and, and how to prepare ourselves. Um, you know, like I talked about earlier, as far as getting mentally prepared in the arena, the, the Bible also says, you know, the devil goes about, you know, like a roaring lion seeking who he may destroy. Um, so we need to stay in a positive mindset that, um, you know, we're not going to be weighed down by the problems and the situations in life and, and things that come at us that, uh, you know, we're going to take it advantage of the opportunity and we're going to put our best foot forward and uh you know for uh, trusting in god to take care of those situations for us um we can't do anything on our own you know we, we need god to help us but when, once we you know trust in him and fully rely on him you know we should have the attitude that you know I, i'm ready to ready to you know take on whatever situation comes my way and I'm going to put my best foot forward and God said, he's going to have my hand through all of it. And I'm going to trust him. So, uh, you know, take advantage of the opportunities and things that come in your life. You know, even if it's a little bit out of your comfort zone, you never know where it'll lead to, or, you know, who you'll meet or, or what kind of opportunities will arise because you did something, you know, um, and, uh, you know, ha have your faith trusted and, and, and rooted and grounded in, you know, that, that Christ is, is going to lead us and protect us. And as long as we have a personal relationship with him and, and are and trusting in him, you know, that the devil can do what he wants, but, but Jesus has got us and God's got us and going to protect us and help us along. Yeah. Might not always be perfect and all you know sugar plums and rainbows there's still going to be life and things are going to be hard but if we know that we're trusting in christ and, and in god to get us through it you know he's going to protect us and he's going to get us through that situation so yeah and i just want to thank you guys too for being such good examples and stewards of faith-like men you know when i saw you guys at the junior high finals i saw you guys praying i saw you guys at the devotional i saw you guys setting that example for other kids and i know in my spiritual journey and my faith journey it took me a while to have the confidence and to not worry about what other people thought to show my strength in Jesus and to be proud of that and to not be ashamed or embarrassed or worried about what other people think of me. But as you guys go about, you know, learning and growing and the mental side of everything, like never be ashamed of your faith and always, you know, 
always stand up and and say your prayers, even if it's in public. And sometimes it's praying with somebody. You know, if you see somebody at the rodeo having a hard time, praying with them and um, just being strong. So anyway, thank you guys for being a good example and a good role model because it's seen and it's known and it makes a difference. You Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're right at 7.30. I know Judd's got another engagement that he needs to head to. So um, we're going to let you guys get back to the practice pen and outside. And thank you guys for joining us. If you could send me your email or your, not your email addresses, your mailing addresses so we can send thank you. Thank you. That would be awesome. You're welcome, man. I, I really enjoyed this. I mean, me and Mark, um, not only do we get to get, get together at rodeos and cut it up, but it's nice to be on here even when we're far apart. That's the, that's the blessing about what we do as rodeo athletes is no matter how far apart and the, the different areas we live in, rodeo has brought us all together. Camry, you're from Iowa. Uh, Mark's from Illinois. I'm from Hawaii, living in Oklahoma. And we have kids on here that I don't know where everyone's from, but that's just the, the awesome thing that rodeo does for us. It brings us together. Yeah, we got them from all over the place and never hesitate to reach out. Like these guys, I met them once. And I called them up. I was like, hey, you guys want to be on the RodeoKids.com podcast or the Zoom? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, sure. So um, never be afraid to reach out to, to any of us or anybody in the industry because we're all here to help. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my, uh, if you guys care, uh, I have both uh, Instagram and Facebook. So go ahead and hit me up on there. And sometimes uh, I uh, you know, end up getting so many notifications. So shoot me a message or something if you guys are having a hard time with something or uh, or uh, just want to get together and maybe talk about some stuff, hit me up. Absolutely. You can hit me up on Instagram and Facebook too. Uh, if you guys got questions or concerns or, you know, just something on your mind or got a question, don't be afraid to hit us up. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I was talking about it, as far as take advantage of every opportunity you can, you know, Camry did, she took advantage of asking us and, and uh, you know, seeing if we'd be a part of it and we were happy to. So, uh, a lot of life is taking advantage of opportunities you're given. So, Thank you for tuning in to the RodeoKids.com podcast. We are super excited for next week's guest, Cowboy Cole. He is a Canadian with a really cool message who is also working with the Cowboy Channel Canada to put together some exciting forms of media to educate and spread awareness of this Western way of life that we all love through entertainment and comedy. Tune in next Thursday afternoon to hear what he has to say on the RodeoKids.com podcast.